You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. I'm so excited to talk about Transport Group and their mission of crafting risk-taking and thoughtful productions of theater that widen the lens on our American experience. Their works create space for new American perspectives that deepen our shared capacity for empathy and understanding. My two guests are incredible human beings. Jack Cummings is the co-founder and artistic director at Transport Group and has been nominated for numerous Drama Desk and Obie Awards. Donna Murphy is on the Artistic Advisory Board at Transport Group, and she is a five-time Tony Award nominee and a two-time Tony Award winner. Her career spans film, television, and of course, theater. Donna has starred in shows like Passion, The King and I, Wonderful Town, and Into the Woods, just to name a few. For her contribution to the arts, she has received numerous special honors, and she donates her time to many different organizations. So welcome, Jack and Donna, to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Hello, Jan. Hello. So happy to be here. Very honored. I am thrilled to have you both. Thank you so much for being here. So I thought I would do approach this podcast recording a little differently. Um, it's been a while since I've um, had a guest on a podcast, to be <laughs> honest. I took a little break over the summer. But I felt like, let's just take a beat at the top of this podcast and the world is in such a precarious state right now. And I just wanted to talk about the idea of gratitude. So I'm going to ask you both, what are you most grateful for today? Jack, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I think I am most grateful to still be here. Um, and I'm most grateful that, um, honestly, I, I, I have a sister who's been going through uh, a, a severe illness who is actually um, doing well. And I would say that's the single most thing that I'm grateful for right now at this minute. Mm -hmm. Sending her, yeah, sending her healing energy. How about you, Donna? What are you grateful for today? Uh, I would say that I'm most grateful for having found ways to, in the face of really difficult times, both globally and at times that have been extremely difficult and are even now personally, find ways to cultivate peace within myself so that I can carry that with me and not have the chaos and the hate and the uncertainty that I'm surrounded by mute that. You know, I just Honestly, I've never meditated more or can more consistently mm -hmm. in my life. I mean, that's been going on for decades, but it's not it's essential. and and as a parent, I have three stepdaughters, and my youngest is an eighteen year old high school senior. Just um, I don't think of it as modeling. I just I want that to be an energy that's 
in our house that can be counted on. And in my connecting with anybody that I encounter, you know, on the streets, on, on the subway, at an event, I just want to find a way to continue bringing that. And um, so I'm grateful to have found ways to do that. It's not perfect, never perfect, but I'm grateful for that and I'm grateful for the people that I get to connect with. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I started practicing yoga, so mm -hmm. um, it's it's hard. And the um, the meditation part's really hard for me. I'm not very good at being still. Mm -hmm. So I can really appreciate what you're saying. You can do it in small um, bites. I mean, I used to say, I did my two-minute meditation this morning, and it was guided. <laughs> you know, somebody would, <laughs> on a, you know, a, online, whatever, but whatever uh -huh. helps you. So in the spirit of having listeners get to know you both better as people, I'm going to ask you um, each, tell me three words that you think describe you. Um, the first three words that come to the top of your mind. Um, Jack, you go first. What are three words that are Jack? Empathetic, sarcastic, and observant. Okay. And how about you, Donna? Hyphenated, endlessly curious, <laughs> mindful. Why it is, is hard. this really hard? <laughs> because I only get one more. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, um, nurturing. Love that. And I love how the mindfulness went back to the meditation. Mm -hmm. So I see, I see a thread here. I don't know that I would have used that word 10 uh. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also think that food choices tell us a lot about a person. So I'm going to ask you this question. Um, if a meteor, we knew a meteor was going to hit Earth, and you knew you had one last meal, what would you make that last meal? What would it be? Donna, you go first this time. It would definitely be pasta. <laughs> it would be like, um, oh, simple. I think I probably would have like um, a, a beautiful salad that had like lots of delicious mixed greens and um, uh, artichoke hearts and uh, the sweetest summer tomatoes we could find and um, and a honey mustard balsamic vinaigrette on it um, and maybe a little goat cheese in there and then like a spinach and ricotta and burrata ravioli with butter and sage sauce and fresh, sh like shaved Parmesan and some tiramisu with some caffeinated coffee that I <laughs> couldn't give a shit whether it kept me up because what the hell, <laughs> I'm going. Ladies and gentlemen, Donna Murphy, there thank you, you very much. <laughs> And some very nice wine <laughs> along with that, I, I, <laughs> with each course. Um, okay, Jack, try to go now. Oh, God, I'm going to be so <laughs> ridiculously unsophisticated. But my mother makes this very old-fashioned dish that her mother made, I'm sure her mother made before that, that my father and I, the only people that like it, and my mother, my three sisters hate this dish, um, cream chip beef, if anyone's ever, cream chip beef on toast. Um, uh, every time I go home, I just beg her to make it. That that would be 
my very last meal, that would be, uh, I'd be going out in style and, uh, and my stomach very satisfied. <laughs> sounds like, yeah. it sounds like comfort food. <laughs> yeah, too. it is. I think it's a depression era dish, but I just, uh, live for it. It looks awful. Like visually it's the worst looking dish you could ever <laughs> like think of. And, uh, but I just like crave it all the time. Um, I'm going to be Googling that after yeah. we hang up for this podcast. <laughs> um, well, that they both sound delicious in their own ways. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, thank you. <laughs> Donna's probably sounds more delicious, but <laughs> by a lot. Probably. You know what, though? It's funny. People, if I, if I were to answer that, I usually, like, when I ask a question, I always think in my head, like, how would I answer right. that? And the, the one with, like, three adjectives to describe yourself, I never could get that right. Mm. But for food, I know exactly what I would do. I would do a bean and cheese burrito and a flour tortilla and a chocolate chip cookie for dessert. All right, there we go. So... Oh. Yeah, so I'm not sophisticated That's like you, Donna. I think I'm more in your in your school, Jen. No, but you know, but you see, that would be fun too for me. <laughs> it's not like I think that this. Yeah, there's many wonderful the, choices, but you know, whatever yeah. satisfies yeah. you. I mean, that's what yeah. it's about. It's something that makes you feel satiated and happy to have that moment. Um, I think it's also about the emotional connection to the food. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Which kind of leads us into this idea of giving back, which is what this podcast is about, um, social activism and philanthropy. And um, I wanted to talk about this. You know, I, I ask a lot of my guests, you know, very specific questions, but I don't really talk that much about this whole notion of giving back and what it really means to each of you. Um, so I wanted to dig into that. Um, we're going to drop this podcast on Giving Tuesday, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And so I really want to focus on this idea of what does it mean for you to give back? Um, and what does that look like? And what does it feel like emotionally? So Donna, I'm going to start with you. Talk to me about giving back and, and activism and philanthropy. Well, it's interesting. I was thinking about this this morning and I was thinking growing up, um, I'm the oldest of seven children, and uh, my parents also were taking care of my great my mother's grandmothers who lived with us. So there were ten people in our household. Okay, well, I just want to pause for and, one second and just say, now I understand where the nurturing <laughs> thing comes from and taking care of others. <laughs> I resented it early on, quite frankly. I I grew up very fast mm -hmm. and. As I've, I think I've said to you, Jack, I discovered very early on there was always going to be someone cuter, <laughs> yeah. needier, and I don't know, something else, you know, and so I better just pull it together and <laughs> be very self-sufficient. Um, but anyway, um, so we were not a family that was consciously doing community service. You know, my daughter is part of her education has been doing community service projects since she was in preschool. Mm. You know, the preschool would have a canned food drive or a clothing drive where the kids would make cards for um, elderly in a nursing home. Um, so I don't remember doing things like that. What I do remember, I do remember I was raised Catholic and, and doing things that were church-related. Um, and we had, I sang with a folk with a folk rock group that was part of our church out on Long Island before I moved to Massachusetts. And we would sing in a variety of settings, both in church, but also going to, um, again, for the elderly, doing um, 
uh, performances at peace rallies. So that's not really, I mean, it's it's a certain kind of service, a certain kind of expression to and, and wanting to give to something much larger than yourself. Um, but as a, as a young adult, when I came to New York to study at NYU, I started working. Uh, I got my first professional job at, on my 20th birthday. And sadly, during that time, it was the brutal onset of the AIDS epidemic. And they didn't know what it, and we really didn't know what it was. And I was really very ignorant about what was going on around me, but there wasn't a lot to really know in a, in a solid way. But so what started as friends of mine being sick and being there for them and we would, you know, basically sign up for, for, um, time so that that person was never alone because uh, some of these were single men, mostly men that, that I knew, um, and had, either just been working with or had worked with. Um, so it started very personal and very individualized. Then I started doing some volunteering at Gay Men's Health, um, suddenly I went GMHC, is it Center or Crisis? Gay Men's Health Center. And um, like doing phone banks and doing, um, putting together uh, paper, helping them to organize paperwork. It was very grassroots at that time. And then I remember them doing like a dance-a-thon and, and volunteering and just like cleaning up or setting up and that sort of thing. As the years went on, because I had no money, I wasn't somebody, same with my family, we didn't have money to give, but we, so I just was always trying to figure out how, what can I give? So it was time and it was my energy and my caring and it was motivated at that time but what, by what was in my immediate circle. Um, and as years went on, I became aware of different organizations. I became aware of how the arts were not just a given as they had been in my youth in public school education. Um, and so I started trying to become involved with organizations that supported that in public schools, brought the arts in if they were not going to be part of the curriculum that uh, um, a school system, a school district was able to provide. And the other thing was, uh, as, a, as somebody who was considering becoming an adoptive parent, um, I started working with organizations that supported children who did not have families both domestically and internationally. And some of, one of them was an organization called Worldwide Orphans Foundation, which um, I helped organize like their first benefit. And I got friends of mine to come on board and Kathleen Marshall directed it. And um, so, you know, and I've served on the board of a number of organizations. And again, I, I haven't been in, I haven't often been in the position to bring money directly from my own sources, but I try to just gather my resources of humans and, and, and talents and smarts and generosity and bring that into the circle, you know. Um, and as I've matured, I try to extend that to things that are not necessarily in my particular lens of personal interest. Um, Anyway, I think I've spoken enough. But. No, that was that was great, and I feel like people will really 
respond and, and, and relate to that too, because, you know, I, it's not always about the money, you know, it's not about writing a check. It's about right. the sweat equity and yeah. about your time. And, and so thank you for sort of demonstrating how you can do that. Uh, I think that's important. Yeah, of course, of course. How about you, Jack? What do you think about the whole notion of giving back and activism? I, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously very, very important. I, I you know, Donna and, and my wife, Barbara, and we all grew up in very Irish Catholic, large Irish Catholic households um, of a different era, it seems. <laughs> and um, my, um, it was just kind of, you know, by, set by examples from my parents in one way was just to always be highly considerate of the other person was something that was just, you know, drilled into our heads <laughs> um, from the earliest of age. And so I've always kind of witnessed it, especially in my parents. So my mother is a retired nurse and my father is a retired uh, tennis pro who taught at a club, <laughs> quite different careers. And, um, but even in their, they're in their mid eighties now. And my mother, you know, delivers communion on Sundays and works at the hospice and does flowers for the hospital. And my father does meals on wheels, which we're trying to get him to stop doing. <laughs> and, uh, but he refuses <laughs> and, um, he shouldn't be using his own wheels. Know, is that the problem? I know. We're like, ah, <laughs> when is this going to, but he will not give that up. And he volunteers two days a week at the hospital, like delivering the newspapers around to people. And, um, hmm. So it's always been um, something that, um, you know, just giving back whenever, whenever possible. And I remember having one, I, I years ago, I did the um, Covenant House sleep out that um, at the time, yeah. Stephanie Block uh, got me involved with. And I did that two years in a row and um, like the first and the second one. And um, it was a life changing experience. Uh, and I, I definitely felt like I walked away with all the gifts actually you know when you give it's that old that old saying you know you walk away with so much more than you than you than you give in a way and um but i, I remember when she called me i you know running trans program running a nonprofit, I, i'm the favor asker hall of fame <laughs> and so <laughs> to have i i said oh my god i'm so happy to do this because i, I i'm like so desperate to like do favors for whenever i possibly can and whatever abilities i have and so um but i was just thinking about when you first asked that question i realize now that transport group really was born if i really trace it trace it back to its to its original moment it, it came from a place of of giving back it was born out of a place of giving back and i'll explain so i was at the lark theater company uh which no longer exists but was around for uh a long time it ended up being named the um the lark but it's the lark play development center that my friend john eisner uh ran and founded and it was an incredible incredible organization and um purely um, devoted to new work, developing new writers. And that's where I learned on the ground how to develop new work and how to work with writers. I was new to New York right after graduate school and I became very involved with them early on. And it was such an amazing organization. I, I adore John and then the entire staff. And I, I just wanted to do something, but I didn't have like my personal bank account to do it with. And so I said, can I do some kind of benefit night reading of something that it's not going to raise a lot of money, but it, what it ended up raising was the money that paid for the thank you, a year end thank you party for the volunteers. So it, it covered those costs, mm. but 
So he said, sure, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I had this weird idea for this production of Our Town. I'm just like curious just to hear it out loud, but I really would love to try to, you know, do this, but I, you know, cause the, I think I could do that. And that when we'll just raise whatever money we raise and um, no intention of like, uh, it was, it was, you know, for, for um, no pun intended, it, it was a lark. And so mm. there was no company <laughs> in the future. There was no full, full production in the future. It was just like, I just had this like weird idea. I'm just curious and everyone loves our town and you know, why not? And what safer way to do it than in a, at Shetler Studios um, for um, for about a hundred people. So, um, and the idea was that George and Emily would be played by two actors in their sixties. The stage manager would be a twelve year old girl, and then everyone else would be thirty, say twenty five to thirty. Mm -hmm. And um, so, this was nineteen ninety nine. So we we did that. It, it went over really well. It was like a holiday December kind of benefit reading. And we brought it back uh, by popular demand the next year for another benefit reading for The Lark. And that was when my co-founder, Robin Hussa, um, and I decided to, um, the first meeting was like, let's do a production of this. We really, we like it and people liked it. So let's do a production. And then we said, well, if we're going to all this trouble, <laughs> let's just found a company. So mm. all to trace back that it really, the impetus for that entire um, endeavor related to Ariton came from wanting to give back to the Lark um, because they had given so much to me. Um, and so again, I didn't, I wasn't able, like done, like I wasn't able to write a personal check, but I, I wanted to do something. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's always giving back, I think is, um, highly important having lived in new york long enough and witnessed things like 9 11 and covid and seeing firsthand the lengths that people will go to to give back and take care of each other is quite uh inspiring yeah thank you for sharing that um and i'm glad you brought up transport group because <laughs> we're here today to talk about that so thank you for the segue um so how do you think transport group overall gives back or adds value to the arts world um, and to the general sort of humanity of our country, which we so need right now. Um, I love the idea of, you know, the interpretations of these American, you know, the American story. But can you just talk a little bit more about the giving back notion of, of these theater pieces? Yeah, I mean, Transport Group, I, I think, and, and you, I could say this for my fellow nonprofit, you know, the theater companies as well, but in terms of us, um, we don't have a, a commercial agenda. We don't measure our success by the rate at which productions transfer. <laughs> if one did transfer, great, you know, but that's not the gas in our engine. It's not what's really motivating us every day. And so we tend to live on, on, on the more purest side of the, of the actual art. And um, I like to think that we are giving voice to a couple of things, not only voices of the writers that I don't, I can't say would have an opportunity elsewhere, um, but also ways of storytelling of theatrical production that could only exist in a nonprofit. And I like to think that with every show we do, in some aspect, we are pushing the art form forward and that we are, again, exposing whatever level of humanity we can in the, in, within the piece and then hopefully within the audience that's there to see it. And that's always of the utmost 
importance uh, to as the artistic director, but to everyone at Transport Group. That is what is really um, the most important. And and to really, um, I always say we're kind of we tend to do stories really kind of about um, underdogs and um, people that are in very vulnerable situations that the mass entertainment might not always uh, explore, but hopefully we're there to have the honor to explore them in whatever way that we we can and give them a voice. So Donna, you're a member of the Artistic Advisory Board, and I wondered if you could just give some examples of some of these works that you think have done this, what Jack just talked about, and why they have succeeded. Well, as Jack was speaking, I was thinking about the fact that the a bit, I think a key to the success of the wide range of work that they do is that it is this this purity of intention without the burden of the need to make the most commercial choice or the choice that will lead to a transfer of a lead. And I also feel, and Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't feel like there is a target audience. No. I feel like it's just mm -hmm. you're correct. So the range of the different kinds of, not only the stories that they tell, because they have produced many classic American um, plays mm -hmm. from uh, the Inge evening that they did, um, which it's it just, you, you ever, I always feel like I'm, I'm seeing a new play, whether it is a classic. Um, uh, I'm thinking of Summer and Smoke with Marin Ireland, Ireland, which was, I have seen that play and worked on scenes <laughs> in college for Stella Adler. And I felt like I didn't know what was going to happen mm. next because of the way that the story is being told. Mm. And sometimes it's a physical approach that that is the initial sort of thing that takes you out of your state of pre-expectation or expectation. You don't need to say pre-expectation. Hello. <laughs> Expectation. Um, uh, and sometimes it's, it's just... Uh, it's hard to put like a stamp on it. Well, the thing that transport does or Jack's sort of, you know, thing, Jack's um, stylistic thing. No, it's different from production to production. And the, the kind of exploration of diversity in the choice of material in before, I would say diversity was as um, accepted a kind of responsibility to two artists in what they were presenting, the, the need for that. Jack was just doing that, and Transport Group was doing that. Um, but it, it never felt gratuitous. It felt like because this is another interesting way to just see the story that you think you know or one might think they know, and then supporting the new works and really loving process. So again, that's another thing that I think produces the gold that they produce in that there is such a respect for process and the process, it should always continue throughout performance. You know, a show opens, the process isn't over. As, a, as an actor, I know that, but there are some people who, 
think it is. And um, I, I've never seen a production. I, I've, I've been at opening nights of a transport group. I've been at a first preview. I've been at a closing. And it always feels like this is still bubbling with possibility. This is still bubbling with exploration. Um, whether it's a reading, whether it's one of their amazing, they do these, um, they've often done these big benefit concerts of a musical that they, I don't know how they put it together as quickly as they do with a full orchestra. This year it was nine in concert. And again, just, it's not that they did nine, which was, is an exquisite musical, but the way that they did it and Karen Akers popping up and suddenly unannounced singing unusual way. I'm not sorry, not unusual way. Hello. My husband makes movies um, as she did in the original production and having it resonate on so many levels. And then completely new productions like um, Dick Scanlon and, and Carmel Dean's uh, Renaissance, which did I pronounce it Renaissance, right? Renaissance, but we say, we say both. Damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> We won't go back no. and record that. We'll just know that <laughs> I screwed it up, but I was jumping out of my seat during that production. It just, even now, like, my heart sort of feels like it's stopping for a moment, thinking about that storytelling and that music and the way that the performers engaged with themselves, engaged with the material, and they, there's always the sense of how they engage mm -hmm. with the audience. And I don't mean breaking fourth wall necessarily. Um, it's just, and I feel it has to be in that intention, which has to come from a director and a creator. And I, I should have added that, you know, a word to describe me is <laughs> or ta tangent queen, as I have been, Stephanie J. Block. With those, um, <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, I'm not the soundbite gal. I just, I'm just thinking of this flood of all these different experiences that I have experienced at Transport since, since pretty early on. I wasn't there at the very, very beginning, Jack, but. Um, you were there for our second show, so you tw twenty years ago. Was it the audience? No, you you, you and Sean came to see Reg Which, uh, was the Inge One X Re Requiem for William. Oh yes, yeah, that that was only our second yes. show, and that was in two thousand and three. Oh. So you kind of really have been there from the beginning. So yeah, I just want to say I haven't uh, been uh, just, uh, you know I haven't been exposed to Transport Group nearly as long as you have, Donna. But mm -hmm. from your mm -hmm. as you would say your tangents, no, I there <laughs> I feel like I went through this journey with you for the last. Just, number of years so thank you for that <laughs> um you're welcome you know, it's it's amazing the work done there is amazing and i support a lot of different um not-for-profit uh arts organizations and theater organizations i was just at a fundraiser last night for another wonderful company and you know keeping these these organizations alive is just so vital at this moment and um I I don't want to think about a world without a transport group that is creating these experiences that are unparalleled and and just so meaningful and, and, so and meaningful needed. and needed yeah. vital 
uh, just truly needed, as you just said, Jen. So question for both of you, like, as you look at the future for Transport Group, and particularly in the world in which we're living, where two things are happening, really, that's, you know, the arts funding is being cut, and um, there's just less support, as you mentioned earlier, Donna, Um, but also in this world that we're living in that is filled with, you know, such... um, gosh, misinformation and hate and um, scary, scary stuff. Does that inform sort of what works you want to present and how you might present them? Um, what, do you, what are you looking at for the you know, sort of future um, for Transport Group? For me, I mean, our work is always really centered on, uh, on a deep humanity and really kind of um, celebrating how vulnerable people really are. So on the one hand, I, I just want to continue. I just want to continue to do that and to do more of it. Um, I'm, I'm, but I am more aware of, of really making sure to not even for a second accidentally to lose sight of that. So my, 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 I, I have a hyper awareness now about making sure to even um, to really advocate for those voices and those stories um, in a way that I, I maybe um, took for granted before the pandemic. But coming out, it's like I just it's like um, I'm a tennis player. So it's like, you know, you're playing a match. And at some point, if you're having trouble, like because my father was our coach, um, you know, to just go back to the basics and just don't focus on your opponent, just focus on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And so that's what I'm, I'm telling myself more so than I ever have in my career to really keep your eye on the ball and do not for a second lose sight of those of those stories and that level of, of purity. Um, I think on a, but I, I do think on a on a on another level, coming back, it is um, because of the rising costs and because of audience um, awareness. I'm trying to search for a different model that will be um, financially more doable, um, and so that can involve. Uh, more partnerships than I think any of us in this landscape have ever, you know, entertained. But partnerships, but also just ways of physically creating theater that are um, new or um, maybe just going in a slightly different direction rather than the directions we would always go to kind of by default. So um, on the one hand, I'm excited about that. And I think I've talked to a lot of colleagues. We are all we're scared by, but we're also excited by, because I think it's going to create uh, a body of work for all of us in this field that we don't, uh, that we didn't necessarily anticipate because, you know, we're, we're being constricted in some ways, but it's forcing us to think in different creative ways, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just getting more, more, even more specific about exactly what stories we're telling and who's telling them and from what perspective. So, on Sunday, say I'm really scared because it's a very scary landscape. And then other days, I'm very excited. Um, it's like that song. I'm excited and scared. That's wow. how I kind of feel a lot, a lot, a lot of the time. Oh, that was perfect, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm just struck with um, is that, you know, I've often felt that when 
I'm involved in the creation of something, whether it's in a in a large a larger collective way or even in a more independent way. Sometimes the limitations, or what somebody would call limitations, um, inspire uh, a kind of a birth of something that truly is new because you don't have the usual resources or you're not doing it the usual way or or someone's usual way or a way that's been done even if you haven't done it that particular way people know what the formula is or they know what the steps you take when everything kind of goes out the window not everything you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater completely um, certainly you don't, you guys don't with the kind of work that you do, but, you know, on a whole other level, just as an actor, take away the ability to have a, a prop or a set or uh, the kind of detailed characterization that I might hope to have spelled out by a playwright, but but I had this, and so uh, whatever it is, let's say... Um, I'm going to be random here. You know, you have you have one hour. You have uh, a story to tell about a character in 19th century Berlin. Go. So I take, okay, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, and I've got this. And you plant those seeds and things grow differently. Because that's, that's what you have to put in the soil of your imagination. That's what you have to plant. And then you have uh, intentions beyond just serving that. Okay, well, I know that I want to bring, bring about a conversation. I want to provoke people who might see things from this point of view and that point of view. And I know that no matter what I do, I want love to be a part of what I'm delivering. So even though I don't have all the things I might normally have, something different, you know, can evolve and be and come to fruition in unexpected ways. And I find that that happens almost every time somebody says, well, we don't have this and we don't have that or you can't do this and you can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think it's exciting and it is scary but it's how truly authentic, new, and truthful to the moment of creation uh, things are born. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, and back to a Sondheim reference. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> always you just you no, can't lose with that because it's, it's so true. true. And, you know, I was just thinking about um, about you, Donna, and about I lived um, I lived abroad. I lived in Europe actually um, for the eighties, all the eighties, mm. and a little bit of the nineties. And I came back and I came wow. to New York and in the nineties. And I have to say. I had always been a big theater fan and gone to theater, but you, uh, I'd been away for so long and some of your shows were really the first things that I did when I got back to like the whole New York theater scene. Oh, wow. And, um, I, I will never forget your performances. And I think Passion was one of the first shows that I saw after I moved back to New York. And um, I actually had a, a college friend who was in the show with you. Um, and I was also friends with Marin. But John Anthony, I don't know if you remember. He would play. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, John, sure. John and I had yeah. gone to, um, to school together. Um, but 
you know, you're just bringing me, it, I feel like you were this like sort of entry point back into the world of theater for me and going, theater going mm. for me. So, um, well, I feel well, blessed. I feel there are so many people listening to this podcast who are going to go, we feel so blessed by you being in our <laughs> lives, you know, and being, um, you know, providing us with those performances. Um, but I wanted to talk to you for a second, Donna, you, about, um, about mm -hmm. your, you know, as you mentioned, and as we talked about a little bit, you're involved with many different organizations and um, whether it's Broadway Cares or the Entertainment Community Fund. And, and I just, you know, on a more strategic level, I wanted to ask you, how do you decide what you care about um, and, and how do you decide what you're going to give your time to support or how you're even going to support it? Because, you know, you could perform at a gala. You could just show up at a gala. You could um, write a check. You could tell people to, you know, come and support it and invite friends. Like just how do you, how do you, how do you figure out what you care most about and how do you strategically figure out then how you're going to support that, um, that initiative? I'd say that that is a constantly evolving thing for me because my Life is shifting every moment, every day. So um, I know that I often feel that I'm not able to act on every impulse and desire to support the many organizations and individuals who need, who need support and who I, in a very potent and genuinely genuine way want to support so and um as my, i'm a widow and and especially since becoming a, a single parent um my time is limited in, in ways that it wasn't earlier in my life so i i'm asked to do a lot of things and i have learned that I need to be careful about making certain, first of all, that my, my child, my, my house is in order, you know, and, and, and that is unpredictable, you know, in terms of what the needs of that are. So I do my best to kind of take it all in and, and see what feels really in my heart is the right thing to attempt to be a part of in some way and then I think about okay what is the way that I could be a part of this and um, sometimes it is it is showing up physically and performing or speaking or just being a presence um, at, at a fundraising event and then talking about it, talking about it with other people, talking about it on my social media, um, and talking honestly and talking with the people who are there, you know, pr also present, so that they, d they just know how <sighs> passionate Sorry. I feel about my presence. I'm like, whose dog is that? Is that my no. dog? My dog is sleeping. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So we we have to do a little dog moment here. That's okay. So, Jack, first yeah. of all, you, who is your dog? Let's see. And this is uh, she name, just woke up, so name, she's like uh, uh, Rosie. She's a rescue. We've had her like four months. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Dogs. We we love the no. we love the dogs on the podcast. Let's I'm see trying, yours, Donna. I'm trying to shift my. I'm trying. Oh, you're just oh, sleeping. She's yeah, she's oh, What's so her name? Sweet. Pippi Shortstop. Pippi Shortstop. 
We rescued her uh, about two years ago from the SPCA of Westchester. I don't know. I, yeah. I always <laughs> love dogs joining our podcast. So thanks. Thanks for that. Um, but anyway, um, back to what you were saying. But, yes. Uh, um, what the hell was no, I No, just saying about then? how you... What was Donna Murphy Donna saying? Donna Murphy was saying that um, <laughs> how you decide sort of where to give and how to give. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, for instance, um, uh, this year is my daughter's senior year in high school, okay? So she is in the fall of her senior year, which means I was just going to say. <laughs> and and she's doing a lot of early action um, and possibly an early decision deadline. That's November 1st. So as I was looking at the fall and things that I was being, that I, people were reaching out to me to to consider being a part of, there were, I mean, there wasn't a single one that I didn't want to say yes, 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 yes. And so I sat down with my daughter, Darmia, and we kind of looked at our calendars together and... Um, and based on where she thought, and I guess is again, it's a bit of a guessing game, but we could strategize what I would make some commitments to, and you know when it might not be a great time. And so there were a few things like I, I had a, made a commitment to do to be a part of honoring our good friend Mary Beth Peel um, at an another theater company's uh, gala and they were honoring her and another wonderful artist and uh, but I said I they asked me if I would sing and I said you know I, I have commitment for another benefit a week prior and I'm doing a reading of a new play for two weeks and I'm working on helping my daughter with college apps and financials and all that stuff and so can I if you have enough people who are singing, is there something else that I could do? And then if I can sing, I will show up and do that. And so I ended up, they asked me to read something that V, formerly the artist, formerly known as Eve Ensler, had written because she was also being honored. And I did that, but before I got up to do that, I was being shamed a little bit at my table about the fact that I wasn't singing. So I ended up singing a little bit once I got up to the mic something that meant something to Mary Beth. And um, so, you know, I, it's, it's a puzzle, you know, my life and your, and your time and your commitments are a puzzle. Um, but I will try to promote, if I can't be present at something, I'll try to promote it on my uh, social media. Um, I will write people about it. I will call friends and say, you know, it's really important for this production to have this production at this theater company to have people in the seats and if you're looking for something to see and you have this time available please see this production um in regard to other kinds of organizations you know you just find the ways that you can show up and i know that and sometimes i'm very strategic about it i said okay i've I haven't done anything for a child-focused organization in a while, and so I really want to make certain that that's a part of what happens in the next few months if I can do that. Um, it has to be something that speaks to me, that the integrity of the people involved is um, uh, certain for me, and um, and that I know that that I feel that something that I have to bring to it can make a difference. You know, um, and there's some situations where I go, okay, 
I really do have to be the person to be there to do this, to do this particular thing. If I know that they've got someone else in a similar position, then maybe I can make a shift and choose this event because they need me more in this situation. So it's, um, it's simple and then it's not simple. It's simple because why wouldn't I want to just do as much as I could for so many of these worthy organizations? But we have to be respectful of our time and I don't want to set myself up to disappoint anyone. You know, that's a really thoughtful answer. And it's interesting because having talked to so many people, I've seen the entire sort of spectrum. I've seen some people who just say yes to everything. And, um, and you know, I think sometimes it's, well, it's it's overwhelming and you not everybody can do that. And also you kind of dilute a little bit of what you're doing because you're just saying yes to everything. Then there are people that literally just have one cause. That's it, one. Um, and then I've seen in the middle, you know, people like you and I would put you in the same category as Hugh Jackman. Um, you're welcome, by the way. Um, <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Hugh yeah, and I were always in this conversation you together. You and Hugh. No, but you're both very thoughtful. <laughs> And you're um, you're driven by passion, but you're also driven by strategy. And um, you know where can you make the most impact? And I think that idea of making the best impact or the most impact, um, as you said, you know, taking you what you bring to it and making a difference. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I'm going to put you and Hugh in the same category. So there you go. Um, <laughs> we did a little film together, <laughs> you and I. It was a, I love you. I yeah. love him. I, I will add that. Donna will always, no matter what, she will try her damnedest to help. And Donna, you always do this thing that I always like love. Like when you can't do something, you're always so generous. You will explain why you can't do it. Like you will go into details of like, so it's not just the blow, blow off of like, I'm not in <laughs> really? town. I'm not Shocking. available. Yeah, I know. And then, she, and then she'll go off on a tangent. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's always so it's always so kind and it makes the person on the receiving end feel like valid and that they're not being dismissed. And it's always it's always so sweet. And just the fact that the someone like you is taking the time to be like, hey, I've got to do this or this or this. And that's why I can't do that. You just feel like, oh, OK, it's like the nicest like way of, 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 of doing that that I think is um it always means a lot when you're, and I know you do that for everybody, you know, you're, it's not just me. So that means a lot. Well, I think it's always, it's a, it's a vulnerable thing to, to be in an asking position and it deserves the response of a human, mm -hmm. not just, you know, um, not that my manager is not a beautiful human, but <laughs> you know, I, I try to communicate personally when I can and just, and have it not just be a generic no, yeah. because I think sometimes people are curious, and um, and it just feels more authentic to me to you know it, it's not always three paragraphs you know <laughs> as it might be to you my pal, but um, but I do like people to understand why, and also let that, and I always say if I mean it, you know, please don't let this deter you from calling me. That's again, always nice because yeah. I want to be. I hope there will be an, uh, another opportunity. Yeah. I feel like that's so in line with how you are as an actor too, because you you do the homework, you you're so you're detail oriented about how you think about things and and how you interpret them. So I feel like you know you as the human Donna is also you as the you know the actor or the professional. Um, so it's nice to see that it's 
it's authentic, you know, on both on both ends. Thank you. I, I don't know how to separate it. I mean, I, I mean, for my mental health, I separate it. Um, but it's there definitely, you know, I'm, I'm the the instrument is this human. And, and when I was younger, perhaps there wasn't a kind of mindfulness <laughs> oh my god she's using that word again but about the choices but i still was sort of doing that you know um anyway enough about that but thank you thank you so we were talking about advice to give listeners about how they can give back um and what would you tell people to do or advise them to do in order to make this place a better world and 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 in the spirit of what Donna was saying, um, you know, be uh, mindful about how and when and who they um, they support. Jack, this is your time to say, well, transport group, you can make a donation. I know, <laughs> I know. yes, yes. Uh, I, I didn't, I'm I'll so Catholic. I'm like, oh, should I say my own company? Yes, I'll no, say it I, for I, you, I, go. <laughs> okay. okay, thank you, thank you. I mean, you know, giving back in terms of theater, it, you know, it does cost money. It, it, it takes actual funds and, and cash to to create this art, you know, with for all the costs involved that we all know about. And so making donations, no matter the size, is uh, is a beautiful, incredible thing. And, and it ultimately is the, you know, the... the <laughs> The money is the thing in the end that allows it to happen, you know, um, on the professional artistic level that that the art should have. So any donation is um, going to be appreciated. And I know that's, a, that's an old saying, but it, it is the truth. And so I, I would really encourage people not to be shy. And um, in terms of Transport Group, going to our website, and it's very easy, going to our website to make a donation, www. Do, you, do, you, do we still say that? I don't think you say that anymore. You just say transportgroup.org, so old-fashioned. We don't even but, need to um, do that because I'm going to, on the episode page, we'll put a link to it you so are, people oh, can just okay. go right so, to the link. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the way to – that's a really – spot on pragmatic way to give back and to make a difference. And I, I do try in my small amounts to, to do it for other colleagues. And um, because I know on my end, like when we're doing a gala or anything and someone is just uh, like a, a colleague even, um, will just send in something small with like a nice note. And you know, that actually, it's like, there's this like, you know, the, the financial help, but then the emotional help that that gives me, mm -hmm. it's like, oh my God, you know, we're not alone. Like there are other people in, in the world. Um, I'm not in, the, in a dark closet somewhere. And so giving back can have so many beautiful um, uh, benefits for, for, for everybody, uh, but especially for the receiver and, and, and help and, and not feeling alone which we all feel a lot these days. Yes. Thank you for that. Donna, last word. Mm -hmm. Well, I keep thinking about all the ways that art changes lives, how it changes people's perspective, how it changes your chemistry. You know, you go in to see something and you come out, especially out of a live performance, having 
experience something with all these other human beings experiencing something and some part of your cellular makeup actually shifts and or has the potential for that to happen so i feel like on giving tuesday if you have a dollar if you have five dollars if you have ten dollars if you have a hundred dollars I guarantee that almost everyone who's considering making a contribution or anywhere or is aware that it is Giving Tuesday has had art change their life in a moment, or let's just say affect their life. Maybe they think it's just entertaining them and that's okay, but it's made them look at a situation differently or it's comforted them or it's allowed them to to feel like they see themselves in an experience that's being expressed and they are and that can be comforting that can so that may seem repetitious but it, they're all there's different nuances to it so the chance to help an organization like transport group continue to create art that's being done for no other reason than to provide experiences that are transformative and exciting and make you laugh and make you cry and make you feel oh my god I'm human that's a human experience in this moment of so much pain and so much disconnection I feel connected and I can make a small or large difference in their ability to continue doing that work and like Jack said sometimes I'm that person on Giving Tuesday I no matter what my financial circumstances are, I take, it's, it's so meaningful to know that you've just taken an action to make it a bit, to make the world a better place, to continue, to offer an, an organization the potential to continue bringing forth art and there's no way that you don't write that check in that moment or press that button on a website and feel like, okay, that, in a way it's selfish because you are, you, I guarantee you will feel better after having done it. Um, and it's, it's an action. It's not just a thought. We all think about God, how can I help? What can I do? It's an action you can take to change someone's perspective to bring comfort and connection and we all need that so much right now and transport will help do that for you thank you both so much for being part of this podcast today it was beautiful um oh, i feel like i've, I've learned pleasure. a few things i'm going to keep my eye on the ball as your dad the, co the tennis coach would say jack and um i'm taking with me this feeling of being scared and excited <laughs> <laughs> as Sondheim would have said, and and just this whole notion of human connection. Um, you're right, Donna. We need that so much, and thank you so much for both to both of you for being here today. Thank you, Jan, for creating this opportunity. Seriously, we we never really get to talk about these things in this way, this specifically, and and so thank you. It was a real uh, it was a real honor to be here. Thank you, Donna. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of it. And Jan, thanks for the great work that you're putting out there and doing. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate Broadway Gives Back wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook at Jan Friedlander Weiss and on Instagram at Jan for Good. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, along with their team of amazing collaborators and wonderful humans. To learn more about this podcast and other Broadway podcasts, visit bpm.fm slash broadwaygivesback. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.